listening to the Cross-Border Interviews with Chris Brown. Welcome back to another great live edition of the Cross-Border Interviews with Christopher Brown. I am your host, Christopher Brown, and it is our second night in a row where we are talking debates in Canada. Last night, we talked about the Ontario Provincial Elections Northern Leaders Debate, and tonight we are bringing on two guests because I, I, I heard from people, I did hear from you, that you don't like hearing just me talk from time to time. So we decided to bring on some people to talk about the conservative leadership debate that happened in Alberta, Edmonton, here in our province. And with that, I want to bring on Sarah Biggs from Olson and Biggs PR firm in Calgary and Deirdre, I guarantee I just pronounced Deirdre, Deirdre Mitchell McLean of the Political R&D podcast. Uh, Sarah, Deirdre, thank you so much for doing this. This is an honor and a pleasure as always. Hi. Happy to be here, Chris. Well, thank you so much. So before we get started, I want to set the ground rules. So if you mention one of another, you will get buzzed. If you mention a word with the letter E in it, you will get a trombone. If you talk, there you go. If you did not bring your paddle, you will not be able to talk because I don't know what I just watched. But I'm pretty sure it was better. I, I've seen better debates from an eight-year-old school classroom. Um, let's talk about the. I have the a cowbell. There you go. More cowbells, Will Ferrell <laughs> would say. But let's start with what your initial reaction to the quote-unquote debate was. Sarah, we'll go with you. Oh. Was it a debate? <laughs> It was extremely different. I, so uh, to put some context, I was in the room, uh, at the back of the room. There was a lot of Polyev supporters tonight. You could tell. <laughs> um, it was very tamed, but extremely boring with some WTF moments. Some questions were extremely weird. And more and more now, we're, we're really seeing that split between the reforms and the old guard, more like centrist conservative happening right now, the fracture we're seeing is really forming. It was it was one of my weirdest debates I've seen so far. And I've seen a lot. It was it was just weird. It was now, so weird. Now you mentioned uh, a few uh, words with letter E. If uh, we if we had the budget to have some sound effects over top of you, Sarah, we would have put them in by now. But we don't. So shut up, water. There you go, uh, Deirdre. <laughs> what about yourself? Um, for the first hour, for me, and maybe I'm wrong because you you like to listen to these things and live tweet them, and uh, I watch them. For the first hour, I don't think any question was of relevance was actually asked about what's happening in Canada today, was it? Uh, I think it was. Like I, I, I didn't. I mean, what, I. What's just your favorite liked, musician? <laughs> okay, well, that was that was kind of a let's get to know you. It was supposed to be a little more fun. Um, it took a lot of candidates by surprise, those questions, which actually was probably the saddest part, right? Like, what kind of music do you like? Um, you know, some things I, I, I didn't, I didn't hate that part. Um, like, I mean, for me, 
live tweeting it, it was it was actually kind of difficult to keep up because I I had I, I struggled a little bit to keep up with some of the format yep. that, that he was doing. Right. So it's it's like he would ask everybody a question. Then he'd be like, oh, well, you two, let's talk. You know, I've got another question just for you two. And, you know, I always try to kind of condense in, in the tweet thread, right? Because it's like, you don't have to watch it all. Here's the gist of it, but also trying to get it as absolutely close to what is actually going on as possible. And so like his questions, you know, he'd be like, well, you said this and you said this and, and this is what I got from the both of you. And what do you think about this? And so I'm like, oh, okay. So that's the question. And then it goes back to them again. And it's like, you know, this is, this is hard to, it it was hard to transcript, I guess, in a way. So, uh, I attempted, I attempted life tweeting. I was like, okay, I'm really going to try because I'm here. And I need to start with something a little slower to Sarah. (laughs) And then after the uh, the first sad trombone was like, that's it. I was like, sorry, guys, can I, I can't do this. It was really, I think they really tried to make it lighthearted and, you know, tried to get, you know, because there was so much animosity in the first one. There was, there were a lot of attacks. So I tried to, I think they tried to be a little bit more friendly, a little bit more civil if you want. Um, But it was very, like when we say like a deconstructed spaghetti, well, that was a deconstructed debate. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, they tried to break it down. Yeah, it was very deconstructed. It was experimental. It was not fitting any, you know, normal formats. I I was looking at the press gallery at the back and everybody was shaking their heads and they were, like, <laughs> they were taking notes and everybody's like, what? And then they're like, okay. And then they're going back. It was, there was a lot of odd reactions tonight. Let's put it that way in the room. Okay. You mentioned something there that I want to jump on and we're still talking about the format here. One of those six members of that debate on that debate stage is going to be the next leader of the official opposition and potentially the next prime minister of Canada for the average person, not you, not me, not anyone who is in this panel right now. We know these six candidates. We know of them. We might not know them fully, but we know of them. The average Canadian voter who is tuning into that debate tonight got a massive disservice, did they not, from that format? Because I remember back in 2021, that federal leaders debate, where they had a journalist ask a question. 2020. 2020, 2020. sorry. Yeah, 2021, where they came in. The federal leaders debate with Aaron oh, O'Toole, like for the election, the federal general yeah. election, election where, debate. Sorry. Where they had a the national political reporter for each of the major studios come yeah. in, ask a question, follow up, and it was just a bad debate. It was just, and I remember everyone taking offense to that debate. This is not the time to be experimental, is it? Like, to me, if I want to watch six people talk about who their favorite idol is, who's not Winston Churchill, <laughs> I'm going to tune into the cross-border interviews with Chris Brown podcast. I'm not going to tune into the Conservative Party of Canada's leadership debate, am I? 
I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make an analogy here. It's like the equivalent of the Alberta Party testing their tactics in a by-election and having a poor show. Let's put it that way. It's. It was not friendly. Um, Poliev was way. He was more. He was more tamed tonight. Yes, he was. He was. He was behaving. Um, then we had uh, Leslie Lewis that was just unhinged a little bit more tonight. And then we had Baber trying to make some sense and trying to talk about international policies that I am seriously questioning if he's been briefed on anything. And then you had Brown that showed up and didn't have a choice because if not, he would have been penalized for that by the party. Then you had HSN and Charest right there in the middle. Yeah, it was, that's fair. It was weird. It's to someone who does not follow politics and decides to buy a conservative membership and says, hey, I really need to make myself a choice. If you watch the Ottawa debate and the debate tonight, you're going to be like, I don't know what to think anymore. <laughs> it was... Well- I found it quite interesting, and this might be just me being the political like nerd in the room, but Tom Clark, God bless him, former journalist with uh, Global News, well-respected. I've lost all respect for his handling of any moderating of any future debate ever, because I just I do not know who agreed to these rules, but the candidates did. Here we are. He did give one indication that I, I kind of give him credit. The one thing that I give him credit for is if the audience acted up, he took time away from their party's candidate. And it became quite relevant that that was going to hurt Pierre's team because he was the first one to get that 10 second dig. Do you think that was a smart move? Because uh, I, I saw a tweet from Jason. I forget his last name. CBC uh, journalist here in Calgary. He said that the one thing about uh, debates is the moderator has to fade into the background and not become the story. He became the story tonight as well with him saying, OK, you're losing 10 seconds here. You're losing five seconds here. Was it a smart move to interject himself into that and take time away from these candidates who are vying to be the next leader of the official opposition? Deirdre. You know what? Um it, it sounded very early on that this had the potential to just be, let's call it a crowd led debate. That would have actually been, in my opinion, a much bigger mistake. I think that I think he calmed the crowd down to the extent that that was necessary because Honestly, I don't think we would have heard much from anyone had they just allowed the crowd to because they were obviously there to be um, to be loud, loud. Yeah, loud is all I've got. Uh, they were obviously there to be loud yeah. and they could have actually made it a really crappy experience, even more so than it was had had he not put that uh that restriction kind of in place had he not actually followed through with it and said, you know what, now I'm taking away from, from this candidate. Like I, so I, unfortunately because of the crowd in the room, I don't think that you could have done that better. I don't, I don't think he was the story. I think he was actually the reason why we got to have the rest of the debate. 
Yeah. So, such as it was. What, I also have four children, so it's possible I'm taking I'm looking at this from a much different perspective. No. <laughs> if you would have seen the crowd and the amount of freedom t shirts that was in there tonight. Oh, it was yeah. a lot of freedom tonight. Um, I think that they did not have a choice. Okay. Because it was a little rowdy before it started. People showed up early. Like so I was attending a reception. She says that like it's a bad thing. No, no, but look, the reception I was attending was at four. Right. And it was only for a certain group. People, like normal people showed up at 3.30 in line because they thought they could get at the front. But the front was reserved for the leader <laughs> circle members. So they didn't get the front. And it was all fenced up and all that. But... I would say that the crowd that was here tonight, a lot of them was not your regular crowd during a debate. Okay. And, and, and that's, yeah. And they had to put some rules in place because we've seen it. They tried. They really tried. We'll give, we'll give them brownie points for effort. They really tried to manifest. And because also the way, it's just for an example, because we know Padiev's leaders, um, not leaders, supporters are uh, more vocal. They're a little bit more rowdy. They're, they like to express their disagreement with the opposite sides. And, you know, and you don't say, you don't, Sarah, you don't no. say. I, I know it's new, right? But <laughs> the way, and also the way Mr. Podiev talks and speaks, he used sound bites to create big emotions. Like, in the moment yeah. so that's why we saw a much more tame party of tonight and thank god they had that rule because it would have been trust me it would have not dear Drew's right it would have been a shit show the the last the later part of the actual debate the actual last part of the debate where candidates okay i'm gonna try and phrase this in a way that i can understand it Candidates will square off in a one-on-one -on -one in three rounds of a minute, 45 seconds, and 30 seconds. And then after the 30-second third round, candidates can raise their paddle. They only get five paddles. This was a big disservice to Pierre because after he used he his used five, them all right away. <laughs> everyone basically went, we're not talking to Pierre. And you could tell that the audience was turning on the whole debate at that time because you heard someone in the background go, let Pierre talk. And I was like, wow. But I, I go back to this because we're still on this whole idea of the format. It felt like it seemed like there was three debates in this whole debate. There was the fun, exciting debate. There was the actual foreign policy debate. And then there was the actual actual debate at the end where people could actually interact with each other would you have rather have seen that full interaction one-on-one -on -one and not have this stupid rule of 30 seconds here 45 seconds and then a minute or however they did it would you rather have seen a actual debate one-on-one -on -one, here's five minutes go for it not going to interject because that's what type of debate i like i want to see two people go at it and actually talk about the issues that are important to them instead of being confined to that 30 second or 45 second soundbite what do you guys think sarah of course <laughs> we're all policy nerds we're all <laughs> like, so i think that 
they still have very deep memories from the past two leadership reviews where they're used to 15 and you know 14 candidates on the stage so i think they just adopted that format as a general debate format if you want for like better words like that's what they're used to right because before you had fucking 15 people on the stage trying to get a soundbite make their point that was 20 that was 2017 like 2017 was that i did not watch any of the debates thank god <laughs> you, had, you you had like all the interesting people in there you had bernie you had like i don't even remember who ran like michael Char, kelly leach yep. sheer <laughs> oh, wait, i was cool. working for o'leary i should remember yep. that um but you know o'leary got a button of his <laughs> love kevin he's so short sorry kevin I, please don't fight I, I just don't understand like, I, I hope this is not the debate that they're going to have in Quebec, because traditionally, and this is going to sound very bad to the English part of Canada, Quebec debates are a lot more fun because that's when yeah. you actually get into the substance of it. Because, and I'm going to say this, and I'm going to sound very rude when I say this, out of those six candidates, probably three of them know how to speak fluent French. Exactly. So, so it's going to be, be a very short debate. <laughs> So it's going to be a debate dominated by Monsieur Charret. Yeah. And Pierre. Yeah, but Pierre, his French is okay. But I can say that his French is amazing. He's He speaks French. Louis has been practicing. Yeah, yeah, they've, they've all been practicing. But it's going to be Charret's show in Quebec. Yeah. It's, his, it's also his, yeah. It's, well, it, that, that's the sense, right? It's the Pierre Pierre event was in Edmonton because that's where his base is, Western Canada. You had you have Charest coming up in uh, Eastern Canada and Quebec, so they're playing to their strengths. It doesn't give the down ballot candidates. I mean that in all sincerity to them because they all have the right to be there. They all filed their three hundred sixty thousand dollar deposit plus the taxes on top of that, or however you want to put that. And then they also get got their signatures, so they all have the right to be there. It's just the French debate is an entity on itself, and I know we're probably going to talk about that later on, probably for a future episode. But I just want to say that if this is the debate that we're going to get in French. Just give it to John Shray. Just let him stand on the stage for two and a half hours and let him talk I'll because the other ones aren't going to be sitting. Pardon me? I'll translate it for you. I'll translate let, it let's have you. a viewing party, Sarah, you and me. <laughs> but what's important too to understand, and I know a lot of people does not agree with this, but to be able to effectively run this country, you need to be bilingual, not only speak French. You need to be fluent and bilingual and functioning because a lot of times the individuals are voting in Quebec. Harper was the exception to the rule. Only in 2011. But it is extremely important. A lot of the Eastern province and Quebec because Quebec Quebec has 9.3 million people in the province it's a huge province plus you have ontario as francophone part of manitoba and then it faced down but 
the leaders that have been the most successful have been speaking French. And Harper was speaking French, but then he really got extremely good at his French into, you know, the circumstances. So it's going to be interesting. Can we talk about the placement on the podium? Which, which is what I was going to go to. Which next. I did not see. Yeah. So for those who don't remember, so I'm going to just give a brief overview. You probably saw it in the introduction, but from left to right, if I'm just uh, if you're looking at a mirror, I just want to make sure I get this right here. It was Leslie Lewis at the far left. And then you had Roman Babber, the former independent MPP. I'm going to keep on saying that until the journalists and people (laughs) need to remember. He's no longer. Babber is no no longer. It's Babber. No, he keeps saying Babber. No, yeah, I mean, other people keep saying it, but he says Babber. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, And then beside Roman, you had uh, former Premier of Quebec, John Shray. Then you had Scott Atkinson, the Atkinson, I apologize. Atkinson. Chris Brown, get an easy name to pronounce people. That's that's all I ask, okay? If I get anything out of this show, just get an easier name to pronounce. Then, uh, so Paris and Muskoka MP, beside him, you had Brampton Mayor and former leader of the Progressive Conservative Party of Ontario, Patrick Brown, his first appearance, which we'll talk about a little bit later. And then at the end, far right, you had Mr. Pierre Polyev, uh, or as Miss Leslie Lewis said, 12 different ways, 12 different times, Pierre Polyev, 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 but you had Pierre at the end. Uh, Sarah, what did you think about the placement? Because I was very shocked to see, not shocked because I'm assuming it was a random draw. It could have been a random draw. I don't know. But the order that the candidates were in. Fascinating. So you have the most two. So the two candidates that were, that are sitting at the most right of the political spectrum were at the very end of the podium on each side. Then you have Babber that was kind of, he's there, but he doesn't know much about anything. He's He's a candidate. He's a candidate. He's there. And then you have Share Brown. No, Share HSA Brown. Yeah. So it's almost like if they tried to split the most polarizing candidates at the end of the stage and kept the centrist in the center. But they had to separate Poitiers from Charest because last debate, it did not go well. <laughs> they had to separate the two. Yeah. They were too and close. It, it really were, didn't go well because um, I want to, uh, the, 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 the dynamic between the candidates you could tell that there was tension, and not just between Sheree and Polyab. There was tension between all of them. From someone who was listening to the debate, Deirdre, how did you find the tension between them? Because that's the one thing I always find fascinating, because I can watch this as a political observer. I know where people are going to be coming from. I know what they're going to say. But I want to know, from someone who listened to it, did you get that tension? Because some of the hand movements that Sheree and Polyev and even uh, Roman and Leslie were doing there for a few minutes, I was like, like, calm down. You're looking like the angry, like, class of conservative 2021 that's it's gonna be bad (laughs) did you get that tension while you were listening to it well uh the first thing that i'd like to point out is that leslin's delivery tonight was much different i mean she was 
like if I were to picture it in my head, she's pounding on the lectern. She's like, it was, it was forceful, but not in a good way. Like it was forceful in a scary totalitarian dictatorship kind of way that just like she had this. Okay. Do you remember the, do you remember the episode of the office when uh, Dwight has a speech to make and Jim's like, totally i took this and gives him like basically a mussolini thing that's what was going through my head listening to lewis i'm like what is going on so um so yeah i, I definitely get something different when i'm only listening and like did, the, did you did you get did you get because you and i did this a week ago where we listened yeah. to the strong and free debate Listening to this one compared to that one, was there a big difference in style from the candidates that you found? Yes, this one was actually much more reserved, um, but I don't feel like it was. Uh, the tension wasn't gone, so let's put it that way. The tension that that came out very easily during the first debate was basically just held down, and I think that it was you know, it was ready to blow at any time. Uh, like, I, I don't feel like it was a, that it was actually, oh, what would the word be? Um, uh, controlled. It wasn't a controlled toning down. It was just, I understand that I have to do this. Like that's, that's kind of how it felt. It honestly could have erupted at any point in time. So, so the tension still existed. Um, but it wasn't that noticeable via the like from the like the spoken word. You didn't notice it as much as you probably would have if they were giving a stump speech. Right. Uh, again, possibly because, you know, I could still I mean, Patrick Brown was an interesting addition to to this because he wasn't there the first time. No. He definitely seemed to attract a lot of the uh, animosity, which was interesting because. Again, I'm not sure. Like, I don't know what that battleground looks like in Ontario. No. I don't know how much of a threat he is, but it seemed like, you know, a number of people uh, went went after him. So that yeah. was that was interesting for me. So Patrick Sarah, Brown, yeah. I sorry. I think that Patrick Brown's going to be the big surprise in Ontario okay. um, because I'm hearing that he has uh uh, he has very a lot of strongholds into uh, multiple communities in Ontario. Um, we're talking, um, you know, different communities, different um, religious. Which would be a big upset for well, every other Ontario candidate, which is all of them. everybody. Uh, except <laughs> That's right. Exception. I I did say Ontario candidate. So. That's true. <laughs> found tonight though is that Leslie Lewis was really trying to position herself as the strongest oh she's social strong. conservative option she was she scary was, like actually scary listening to her I thought she was scary I didn't see so tell me what she what did she look like <laughs> when she was making some of those so when she walked so when she walked into the room for the debate, she walked in with her team. She didn't look at anyone. She just walked in uh, right straight, straight to the stage, didn't look at anyone, didn't acknowledge anyone. I've she heard, okay, so I've heard that. 
Yeah. That she's not so good at like, yeah. No, she the interaction. Like yeah. Mr. Charin, let's say. Like I had a chance to talk with um, Mr. Charin. I spoke with Michelle, um, his spouse, and, you know, we had a good conversation. And then um, Mr. Aitchison uh, was at an event earlier. He was the only candidate that was at the event. Um, but I think that, you know, um, because who she is, Miss Lewis is really trying to dislodge or dislodge or di displace Poitiers as the social conservative. Um, well, I just want to mention that. I just sorry to interrupt, Sarah. I just want to talk about that for a second because the last debate, the strong and free, Canada strong and free debate, hosted in Ottawa at the at the event. Abortion didn't come up tonight. Oh, abortion uh, to, tonight. Abortion was the center was of a on lot of attacks because you saw, and I, it could be just Leslie Lewis wanting to solidify that social conservative base. And please correct me if I'm wrong here, but did Leslie Lewis go into this debate saying, I need to dislodge Pierre's hold on some social conservatives and bring them back to my camp because that's how she's going to win. Because if you remember 2017 and 2020, Andrew Shear and Aaron O'Toole both won on a last ballot when the social conservatives went to them, right? Because in 2017, they were with Brad this in 2020, they were with Derek Sloan and Leslie Lewis this time. She needs to keep them. Mean trust. Do you mean Brad Yeah, sorry, very, uh, Brad Trost, I apologize. <laughs> but Sarah, I want to talk about that for a second. The, oh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. It's So something weird happened this afternoon. Uh, French CBC asked me a question about abortion. And I was like, hmm, interesting. So I was like, so, you know, I've been working on Bill 17 for a long time. It passed today. It's a done deal over. What's like, it called, Sarah? Tell us about Bill 17. Sorry, Chris. So, <laughs> there's, there's, uh, so just to put some context in it, it's because we had to include, uh, we were trying to include abortion uh, in the language and all that. So we had to work around the language anyways. So that was adopted 15 minutes before the debate started. 15 minutes before. And so, and then the afternoon, CBC asked me a question about what, you know, what do you think about the abortion file? And I straight up said, the abortion file, this is not a discussion we should be having anymore. It is only a problem if one of the candidates wants it to be a problem and will make it a problem. So I was extremely, it's almost like if it was biased to try to, so, you know, earlier I said we're seeing a clear break between the reformed social conservatives and the old, kind of more old, you know, PC. I think that that was an attempt to try to start separating them, if you want. Because Miss Lewis' platform on the board on motherhood and prenatal benefits and all that is quite interesting. Poitiers is not going to stop anyone from presenting bills. And then you have Baber, Baber, Baber. Roman, Roman. <laughs> yeah, it's like, eh. 
And then you have Aitchison. He was the first one to came out extreme to come out extremely strong in favor of abortion. Charest pivoted his position from last week. So last week he was saying that uh, you know he is pro-choice, but people might be introducing bills. And then tonight he was like, "I'm pro-choice, and that's it. We're not reopening the debate." And then you had Brown that's like, oh, yeah, 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 I'm pro-choice. So I think it was an attempt, that damn question, though, because, but they knew we were in Alberta. They knew that question would get strong reactions. Like, I think it was done on purpose, but I also think that with that question, we're able to make a difference between the social conservative and the old stock conservative. So that's going to be interesting to watch what's going to be happening next few days in the news cycle. And that's, and I'm not sure if it's going to be drowned out because of the Ontario election, because the people of Ontario who traditionally, and I say that with all respect to anyone West of Manitoba, traditionally elect a sitting government on after Ontario, there usually is a few seats, (laughs) but there isn't that many seats that can make a difference. But after Ontario, you find out if it's a majority or minority in Ontario, you find out who's government. Let's just be honest. Let's call it for what it is. People are tuned into Doug Ford right now. People are tuned into the election back in Ontario right now. This debate about abortion does not play well in Ontario. Is that the saving grace that the Conservative Party has, Deirdre, about having that actual line in the sand where where one big province where we need all of the supporters to win government is talking about something else so we can be over here in another province actually saying what we actually want to the base of the party because Alberta is the base of the Conservative Party right now. Okay, I agree and disagree. One of the things I will give Leslie Lewis uh, full props for is that she's not going to back down from her position on this. Mm -hmm. And I have to respect that. Not because I respect her opinion, but because I respect the fact that she is not going to change her mind to get elected. Um, Like... (laughs) I, but would she have said that downtown Toronto? Would you have seen Pierre yeah. Polyev say the exact she, same thing that he said tonight? Polyev might Toronto. not. Polyev like, might not. And that's my concern is, is the fact that he said it tonight. And Sheree jumped on him quite quickly on that whole issue. And I was very shocked. So it was... Abortion reared its head in the debate. I was shocked that it did, but I don't know if Tom Clark gave the questions that he was going to ask to the Conservative Party leadership, uh, the debate team beforehand, so that way they could vet them, or if it was actually him being an independent journalist doing this. So I don't know what the vetting process for those questions, or if it was just Tom himself. Do you know what I would, um, I will say that I don't think, I mean, who whomever brought up that question i think it was actually one of the reasons that it was brought up is because of how it was dealt with during the first debate leslie sure. lewis made a comment during the first debate and she said uh we don't know what all of these gentlemen on this stage think about abortion and she said i have been very clear like she i i honestly expect that she will be very clear no matter what province she's in uh, 
like I said, I respect the fact that she will be. I just hope everyone's listening when she says it. She means it. She fucking means it. I want to talk about the man who wasn't at the first debate. He has relatively kept quiet over the last few weeks since the start of this campaign. And that is Patrick Brown. Uh, We know we mentioned him for a bit at the top of the hour, but I want to go into a little bit more depth before we uh, cap this off and then we start talking about the winners and losers of the night. But Patrick Brown, this was his first introduction to the conservative memberships. People might know him during his time as a Barry MP, during his time as the Ontario Progressive Conservative leader, during his time as Brampton mayor. I feel like I could keep on going if I had to, but I just don't want to because it seems like his resume is longer than my like shirt sleeve right now. Patrick Brown. Yeah, well, exactly. Patrick Brown made an appearance tonight and I didn't know what to expect. I want to get both your opinions. I'll start with Deirdre and then we'll end with Sarah on this one. Deirdre, what did you think about um, Patrick Brown on this topic? Because for many people, they might not know who he was because remember, he was a backbencher. Him and Brian Jean probably sat side by side during his. Well, I do, too. So what did you think about Patrick Brown being on that stage and how well he did? (laughs) Okay, so uh, so here's where I get to admit that I had trouble listening to the debate because Roman Baber and Patrick Brown sound the same. And it was I was like more than once I was listening to who who I thought was Baber. And then I'm like, but I put Baber up there or Baber, Baber, Baber. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I already have his answer. I'm like, crap, that was Brown. So <laughs> that was a very unfortunate, uh, that was unfortunate for me. Freudian because, slip there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like, but did, he, did, he, there, did he bring anything to the debate that wasn't at the debate last week? Well, apparently he brought uh, a new target. Like I was, I was actually surprised how many of the other candidates targeted him in particular. I was kind of surprised at that, but again, I like I'm right. We're not in Ontario, so I don't know what kind of pull he has, what kind of swagger he has, especially with the other in comparison to the other candidates. So, um, but I I was still kind of surprised at the amount of the number of candidates who brought him into it like they wanted him there yeah or or like they they wanted to put him on the spot which again i found strange no and i did too sarah what about yourself uh brown is a relatively low profile in this debate schedule right debate in this campaign he is uh making the rounds in the tamal chinese communities he was here in calgary he was up in edmonton he has been talking over and over again but he hasn't been really on record he's not giving that many interviews so this was the first time that many party members have actually gotten to know him did he do himself any favors so uh, he is the flying under the radar candidate right now he's really hustling securing his donors securing his support and he's trying to ignore the noise um he was not at the first debate so i think that a reason why they took so many swings at him tonight is because he was not there on round one so you know when there's a new guy that we know that he is a possible threat um and like everybody in the conservative circles right now know that he has been working 
you know, the Sikh communities and the Muslim Sikh. community. And that's exactly where he is the strongest because um, Brampton is fairly diverse as a city. Um, so he's really trying to take everything that he can and try to avoid the outside noise. So now, you know, we're going to have to keep an eye on Brown because he's not, he was the premier of a province. He has been a mayor. He no. has. He was the leader of a party of a province. Oh, he was ne- yeah. yeah. He was he supposed got, to be. He got kicked out premier. like a month beforehand. Hence why Doug I Ford forgot about the pictures. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's so okay. he was it's a long leader. day for Sarah. She's she drove up from Calgary to Edmonton. She's been working around the clock for her cause. So I, I appreciate that she even was able to do this tonight. So I am not holding the fact that you just gave Patrick Brown the promotion that he's always wanted. <laughs> I know. Hey, Patrick. There um, you go. But, uh, okay, continue on. Then I'll ask I'm not surprised they took a swing at him tonight because they didn't have to. They, they were not able to swing their bats to, a week ago. No, understandable. So we have 15 minutes left of the hour, and I just want to get in this part of the show. So we're going to do a bit of a roundtable. This is going to be a quick fire. So I just want a quick yes or no answer. You don't have to actually give it in depth. It's not going to be 30 seconds. So before we start, what's your favorite color, everyone? Okay. <laughs> now, wow. what's your favorite color that's not blue? You but really hated stuck. that part, didn't you? <laughs> I literally felt like I was watching a two-year-old do a debate. Like, okay, everyone, what color is a fire truck? It's red. Anyway, that's my that's my hate on for that show. So I want to. I'm going to ask the. I'm going to ask the question. We're going to start with uh, Sarah, Deirdre, then myself, and then we'll go in the reverse order for my next one. Who was the loser of tonight? Who lost the debate tonight? Who showed up at the debate and didn't get done what they needed to get done? And Baber. why? Baber. So, okay, Baber. so why? Why? Why Baber? Because he is not uh, re- doing his research. He's not knowledgeable in depth in a lot of subjects. And I feel like he was just trying to make up as he was going like solutions in Ukraine. His answer on Ukraine was just like, um, Baber. Deirdre, what about yourself? I am going to say that Aitchison, who was much stronger in the last debate, just couldn't find a foothold where last one he really seemed to, he, he seemed to hit the mark every time when he was like, what are we doing? We need this. And honestly, he just sort of faded into the background for me tonight, which is saying something when I'm actually not watching it. And that's saying something like from the moderator of the debate who literally forgot that he was there. <laughs> okay, right? He forgot he was there on stage right in front of him. <laughs> yeah, literally right in front of Tom Clark. Oh, I forgot that you were there. Oh, where'd you go? Um, my loser of the night, and this is going to be kind of a controversial one. I think it was Pierre. Pierre Polyev was the loser of tonight. And I say that with this in mind. The debate format screwed him over because at the end of the debate, the last 45 minutes of the debate, when he was out of his paddle board, whatever you want to call it, no (laughs) candidate wanted to take him on because they didn't want to give him the moment. So he did not have the time and he did not have the ability to give his uh, 
15 second sound bites that he is so well known for. Yeah, exactly. So he was, in my opinion, he was the loser of the night because the debate format, which I can't believe he agreed to, screwed him over. So that was my loser. Now, on the flip side of that, who was the winner of the night? Deirdre, let's go with you first. Who was the one that you went, holy crap, you actually showed up? (laughs) Well, it'd be easier to say Patrick Brown. Um, But uh, so who was... So I always try and put my, I put, I try to put myself into, you know, if I supported this person, how did they do? If I was debating between these two people, how did they do? Um, you know, I'm, I'm probably, I'm going to go between, uh, Leslie Lewis and, I'm going to go between Leslie Lewis and Jean Charest and probably Paul Yev. It's going to be a three-way tie because they are all talking to very different people. Even though Lewis and Paul Yev are talking to very similar people, right? They're fighting over the convoy. <laughs> and you know what? Yeah. You can have that 0.1%. I uh, 0.001%. Like, come on. Okay. They can, they can fight over that. Um, like Lewis, I think is going, I think she is number one with their, with the social conservatives. Polyev is number one with the kids in the reform party. Sheree is number one in, in the progressive conservatives. Like this is as, as much as we might say, like, who's, who's going to win. It is not really a hundred percent a united party and one of these people is going to win and they're going to piss off everybody else so i i kind of i can't really do anything more than a you give it to three win right because they they won the people that they are there to win sarah what about yourself was there any particular winner of for the night for yourself i think it was a draw for me nothing (laughs) Nothing came out. So I'm going to say Shanghai did fine, but nothing, nothing blew my mind. Well, some things blew my mind, but not <laughs> they weren't good things. Way. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm going to say Shanghai is going to won the night because he was calm, poised. He was thinking about, he, he is, he was, being, he, was be, he was accused of being angry the first night and we didn't see that tonight. No, yeah. but who, why, who wouldn't be angry when you're debating <laughs> some of those people though? And I'm saying that bullshit respect. It's, it's very difficult to keep a straight face when you have two <laughs> people debating on who supported the truckers the most. And the guy's like, my dude, it was illegal. You used kids as a barrier. You're telling me you're supporting that? <laughs> like, Charre uh, is was the safe candidate tonight. He was very calm. He was civilized. He was he was much more stronger on let's say uh, the military question. You know, we're going to be opening two businesses. Yeah, he, he was the first one in the leadership candidates that recognized that. We need military bases up north because, you know, things might happen. And also, 
Um, because he he's the first one that has really presented an environmental plan, and that's a big one for me. Um, because you know, we as conservatives, we need to understand that if we don't have an environmental platform, the swing voters in the middle they won't go vote for you, because the the thirty five to fifty are looking for environmental platforms. So the ones are voting for like the liberals or the conservatives and you keep going back and forth and they're sitting right and center. If they're looking at a conservative option that doesn't have a credible environmental platform, they're done. So I think Shahin won for me tonight. For me, yet again, it's going to be a very, very controversial opinion. And for all those who are about to send me negative hate mail, I will file it in the appropriate location once you do. What's your email address again? <laughs> My the, the winner of tonight's debate was Justin Trudeau. Justin Trudeau came away from this debate tonight without any hits <laughs> against him. Pierre didn't attack Thanks him. Thanks to the sad trombone. <laughs> exactly. Justin Trudeau came out scot-free. And for a party that is trying to be the government in waiting, they took more shots at each other over what day the they endorsed the freedom convoy and what hour and what neighborhood they did. Then they attacked Justin Trudeau. I, I don't understand how a leadership campaign, a leadership debate with six major candidates for official opposition to not attack Justin Trudeau over and over again, the NDP deal would fly in 2022. But tonight we saw a debate that was attacking who wants to be more conservative than the other candidate than who wants to be prime minister of Canada. So that is my, my, my winner of the night. And I know that's going to piss off a lot of conservatives, but it's true. If you can't, just and the, and the amazing thing is that they did it. Okay. Now they didn't do it to themselves. The, like the, the debate format did it to them, but I, I didn't even, I didn't even think about now, granted, okay, so who was it? Was it Sheer or was it O'Toole or was it both of them? Who every time they made a speech, they mentioned Trudeau more than any, like, than themselves. Oh, they're obsessed with it. <laughs> right? That's yeah. like Trudeau's so, boogeyman. It's so to, to begin with, I was kind of like, okay, you know, fine, don't mention Trudeau. But just when you, when you said that, Chris, I was kind of like, but that screwed them so much and i didn't even i didn't even realize it till you said it so yeah trudeau was the winner I, it, <laughs> plus at the same time plus at the same time i said this during the last uh, uh, debate that uh deirdre and i uh, talked about the liberal war room has about a campaign and a half of attack ads for any one of those candidates that come out of who come out on top because Pierre's quotes against Sheree will be used. Sheree's quotes against Pierre will be used. Leslie's against Pierre's will be used. It's how campaigns win. It's just. I'm just looking at is at the attack tweets that happened tonight. So Sheree had a team live tweeting and he wrote, I talk about Pierre's economic record, but he hasn't. He hasn't accomplished anything worth speaking about. Leadership can't be bought with Bitcoin and experience running the economy can't be Googled. 
We need. If you don't think that is going to be used in an attack ad in 2025, it it, it, beautiful. The liberals won tonight because, and this is where I give Scott uh, credit, and then I'm going to wrap up here. But Scott, I give him credit because he's like, we need to start unifying, and we need to start aiming our focus on Justin Trudeau and not being against each other. Because if we continue to do this, we will lose the next two debates, uh, two elections. So. Don't this don't discount HSN yet. No, and I you know what I I don't discount him. He just he he just didn't have as strong a showing for me this debate as he did the first one. Yeah. But what do you got? So with that, we are coming up on the hour mark. And I told Sarah that she can get to bed here in the hour mark. (laughs) But I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Uh, For everyone who's listening to this uh, Thursday morning when this airs via the audio podcast, thank you for tuning in. We will be back for another live edition tomorrow night, depending on if someone is exhausted or not, (laughs) where we will be talking Bill 17. We'll be talking about the Ontario election in our point of order uh, show segment that is live on on uh, YouTube, which we're going to possibly do it live via Twitter spaces as well, if I can get it all hooked up by then. So with that, I want to remind everyone that May is Brain Tumor Awareness Month. Uh, if you uh, can, donate uh, to the generous foundation that is the Brain Tumor Foundation of Canada. It is currently... Uh, a long road for a lot of us who are suffering from tumors on our good old noggin, which causes us to have seizures and brain moments where we can't think like right now, because I'm not able to coherently put the sentence together, as you can tell. But please donate if you can to the Brain Tumor Foundation of Candy, even your small donation. Does. Yes, you have. Thank you. So thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I'm going to say this, as I always do, get out from behind that good old social media. Go have a conversation with somebody, because sometimes if you just use a paddle you can actually interject for 30 seconds and then 30 seconds later you can have another interjection so okay sarah what would you like to say for 30 seconds i joke with that i want to thank everyone deirdre uh, sarah myself uh for doing this uh at 8 30 mountain standard time at night till 9 30 thank you and we'll be back tomorrow guys talk to you later Cross-Border Interviews with Chris Brown was produced and edited by Miranda Brown Associates Incorporated. To learn more about us, visit crossborderinterviews.ca.